0: From our, woo! we're going to shift gears a little tonight, instead of going on with our study in the book of Revelation, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians this evening. I think we all know, and I I have preached around this topic before and on this topic, that life is a series of ups and downs, highs and lows, mountains and valleys, it's a series of joys and heartaches. And I think we all experience that. We experience joys, we also experience heartaches. Uh, I mean, sometimes you are sailing along and the water is calm and everything's great, you got your plans made, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom. A storm hits and life interrupts. Now, when I say life interrupts, what I mean is you uh, you experience the reality of life. Now, the reality of life is, yeah, there are ups and downs. There are good times and bad. There are those joys, but there also are the heartaches. And when I say life interrupts, I'm talking about when everything seems to be going well and then a heartache hits. Grief happens. Tragedy takes place. In the last year, uh, here in our church family, we've had a lot of members in our church that have experienced those very things, grief, uh, health problems, loss, tragedy of one kind or another. And uh, why God led me to preach on this tonight, I don't know, but there's a reason why. And uh, I want you to look with me at 2 Chronicles chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in just a minute, but I want us to have a word of prayer, and I'm going to give a little introduction before I get to this. Father... Tonight, as we study your word, uh, I, I echo what Bentley said, that we would have an open heart and an open mind. We would have a desire to hear from you what you say to us. And uh, Father, I, I pray that we would see that as a church family, <clears throat> that we are to uh, reach out to one another, that we're to show your love to each other. Remind us that your word tells us that the world knows we belong to you because we do love one another. Now, Father, I pray tonight that as we study your word, that as Christ is exalted and lifted up, that we would understand the comfort that you bring to us, and there's a purpose for that, and that is so that we could be ministers of your comfort to one another. In Christ's name, amen. Now, there's something I've learned over the years now, quite a few years of of doing ministry, and that is if you talk to anybody long enough, you're going to find out everybody has a heartache. Uh, I think I've told you before, on any given service here in our church family, on just about any pew, you can find somebody who has a heartache, somebody who is suffering from a tragedy of some kind, a loss of some kind. Maybe it's a broken heart or a broken home, a uh, 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 broken marriage, broken promises, broken hopes. And a lot of times, I think life, it, it reminds me of the lyrics of an old rock and roll song that come out in the 70s. It was written by Bonnie Tyler, but I think Rod Stewart made it famous. And the lyrics go like this, it's a heartache, nothing but a heartache, hits you when it's too late, it hits you when you're down. Now that song was written about love, but I think it could also speak about life. Because I'm sure there are some of you here tonight listening to me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been hit with a blind shot, with a sucker punch. You never saw it coming, and it has brought heartache, it's brought grief into your life, so you know what I'm talking about. Maybe it was loss of a child or loss of a marriage or a job or health. You know what it is to be stuck in the mud of misery. Well, I'm setting the stage here because the Apostle Paul, as well as anybody in Scripture, knew what it was like to suffer. He knew what that was like to be stuck in that mud of misery. And I want you to listen to what he says in these verses. And I also want you to notice, now I've used this passage before, but I want you to notice the personal pronouns that Paul uses. Let's begin reading. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, let's begin reading verse 3. Now I'm using the NASB this evening. <clears throat> Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comfort, uh, comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours and abundant, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And then verse 7, And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Now, Folks, if you listened to that passage or read along in that passage, you probably counted the word comfort at least 10 times. Now, a matter of fact, that word is used 31 times in the New Testament. So one-third of the times, actually about one-third of the times that it's used in the New Testament is used right here in this brief paragraph. Uh, matter of fact, folks, uh, it, it, in this paragraph, Paul talks more about heartache, hurt Uh, suffering and comfort than anybody else in the Bible. And he talks more about it right here in this passage than anywhere else in the Bible. Now, Paul, when you think about his life, if you've ever studied the life of the Apostle Paul, you know that he faced the whole range of misery that life could deal out. He had experienced everything from emotional suffering to uh, physical sickness to spiritual sorrow. Yet out of all that, God had taught him one of the most valuable lessons that I think all of us need to learn when it comes to hurting And the lesson is this, God can use the hurt in your life and my life to equip us to help others who are hurting. Now, what I want to do is share with you three things that you can do that will enable you to turn misery into ministry when life interrupts, when your plans get sidetracked and life comes in. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, you need to see God's care in your hurt. I'd put it another way, be mindful of God's closeness when you hurt. In verse 3, Paul calls God something he's never called anywhere else in Scripture. He's called the God of all comfort. Now, later on in chapter 7, no, chapter 7, and verse 6, he's called the, the God who comforts the depressed or the downtrodden, or, or you could say the, the downcast. Now, here's the point I want to make, and here's the picture that Paul's painting. Imagine this, if you will the God who created this universe, the infinite, all powerful God who created all there is with a word, takes time to minister to one broken heart. Takes time to reach down to one of his children. Now that's a pretty good picture, amen? The psalmist says, Psalm 103, beginning verse 13, talking about God, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, he's mindful or remembers that we're dust. The prophet Isaiah, God speaking to him, he put it this way in Isaiah sixty six, thirteen. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. That this is a God who not only knows every hurt, every heartache, folks, every heartbreak that we experience, but, but we're told as a loving father he ministers to his children on a one on one basis. He's the God of all comfort. Look at that word all that's used. That word all means of, of every kind, of all type. Okay, in other words, God is the source of all true comfort. And might I say, not only the source, He's the only source of true comfort. You and I, uh, folks, we understand this, I believe. This is the core of the church here. We understand, and I think we feel sorry for those who look for comfort uh, for their heartaches and their hurts in anyone or anything else other than God. Don't you feel sorry for people like that? I mean, we all know people who uh, they want to try to find comfort in other places. There are people who who want to find comfort in a bottle, whether it be alcohol or pills or, or some other drug of some kind. And I think we could all bring people up onto this platform, probably fill this stage with people who would testify to the truth that that does not bring comfort of any kind a matter of fact, what that does is not subtract from the troubles, but it adds, it multiplies the troubles. So there's only one type of comfort that is strong enough to penetrate into the inner chambers of the heart and last a lifetime, and that's the comfort of God, the true source of all true comfort. I want to give you a couple of verses, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, Paul writing, it says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort <coughs> and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Again, that's Second Thessalonians, folks, 2, 16, 17. The reason I give that to you again, if you didn't write it down, you may want to write it down. There's a phrase there that I think we need to remember, remember and it's the phrase eternal comfort. So let me repeat and go a little deeper with what I said a few moments ago. There's only one being in this universe who can give comfort both in life and in death. There's only one in this universe who can comfort regardless of the tragedy, regardless of the sorrow that we may be facing. There's only one who can give comfort even when life's at its darkest and only one that can give eternal comfort. And the scripture tells us that's the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, friend, listen to me. Maybe you're at a time when life is interrupted and, and, and you need to begin by seeing God's care in your hurt by understanding, by, by knowing God's closeness in this time of sorrow. The next thing, number two, you need to seek God's comfort for your hurt. Look at verse four. Paul says, speaking of this God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Now, I know that verse does not say what we really wish it would say. Because if we're honest, what we want that verse to say is, uh, you know, God keeps us from all affliction. But that's not what that verse says, folks. God doesn't do that. Uh, the fact is, we don't always expect trouble. We can't always escape trouble. And many times we have to endure trouble. And incidentally, let me say this. That's true. Whether you love God, know God, trust God, believe God, or serve God or not. Nobody is immune from heartache, heartbreak, and hurt. I'm, I don't care who it is. Not even the most devout Christian, not even the most devout follower of Christ on this earth, on this planet, is uh, exempt from those heartaches and that suffering. But here's the flip side of it. Every follower of Christ has available to him or her the one thing that they truly need when life interrupts, and that is the comfort of God. Incidentally, why do you think Paul reminds us, and look at verse 3, he reminds us that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard this before, but I think what Paul's doing is reminding us that God didn't send Jesus Christ into this world to get us out of trouble, but to get into trouble with us. One of the reasons why God allows earthly heartaches, and you may want to write this down. Maybe you never heard this before. One of the reasons that God allows earthly heartaches is so we might know divine comfort. You know, there are some things, folks, that can only be learned in the school of hard knocks. There are some lessons that can only be taught on the battlefield of conflict. And the truth of the matter is, in the school of life, you know this. You're going to learn more in the valley than you do on the mountaintop. And you're going to learn more on the battlefield than you'll ever learn laying back in the barracks. Now, let me give you an illustration. We all know that when we go through really tough, difficult times in our lives, one thing always happens. You know what that one thing is? We definitely find out who our true friends are when we're going through those times. Now, from that, let me say this, folks. The only way, the only way that you can ever know the comfort of God is just and just how much God really cares for you, how much God loves you and God wants to be there for you. The only way you can know that is to go through trials, troubles and tribulations where you need his comfort. Many times, one of the reasons why God allows heartaches, I believe, to come into our lives is to force us to look up and to seek Him. Now, I want you to understand what I'm talking about when I use the word comfort. And I want you to understand what Scripture is speaking of when it uses the word comfort. Understand, this is not just a, a way of making someone feel better, you know, temporarily or, or pretending that everything is really okay. I want you to look hard at that word comfort. It comes from a Latin word, the prefix of it uh, means with, and the root of that word comfort is fortis. So that means strength. So actually, the original meaning of the word comfort here was with strength. So here's what I want you to get. A comforter is not someone who simply gives comfort when you're wounded. No, a comforter is somebody who gives strength for you to keep on going and to stay in the battle. Real comfort, folks. It's more than a pat on the back. It's strength for the soul. Now, do you know one of the reasons why God gave us the Bible? It's so when life interrupts or when life goes dark and we have those hard times, we can turn to God's Word and gain strength and gain comfort for whatever we're going through. The psalmist said, Psalm 119, verse 50, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your Word has revived me. Now, I can tell you, and I'm sure many of you, perhaps all of you, could say the same thing and give testimony to this, how true that statement is. I cannot count the number of times that I have have been down that I have been searching for that comfort or that encouragement or strength and there was one place that I found it and guess where that place was in God's word you know I've even had people say now don't go talk to the preacher because what he'll do is tell you what God's word says you know why I do that because I can't give you what you need and the comfort you're searching for God can't God's word's a medicine for a heartache. Folks, it's a salve for heartbreak. And and the true source of comfort is God and his word. So afflictions and trials and troubles, tribulations, heartaches, heartbreaks, they come from a lot of different sources. But there's only one source for true comfort for all those. That's God. That's it. I don't know if I ever shared this with you or not. I I remember reading years ago about the bumblebee. Now, bumblebee... Apparently, the the story said, if you take a bumblebee and you take an open jar, like a mason jar, drop that bumblebee in the mason jar, he will die if you don't take him out. And the reason he will is he's not smart enough to realize all he's got to do is fly up and he's out. He's free. So instead, what he does is keep pounding in the side of that glass jar trying to get out that way or trying to burrow out near the bottom. I say that because so many times when life interrupts, I think we become just like that bee. We never stop to realize that if we'll look up, we find comfort, we find the strength, we find the encouragement and the peace that we need. Now when you do that, there's a third step that you need to take. Again, number one, folks, see God's care in your hurt. Realize and be mindful of how close God is to you as one of His children. Number two, seek God's comfort for your hurt. Look to the true source of comfort, to where you can truly find comfort. And then number three, the third step, share God's love with others who hurt. It's true that God wants to comfort us when we're hurting, but he doesn't comfort us for our own sake. Look at verse four again. He comforts us, according to verse four, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So let me put it this way. God does not comfort us to make us comfortable. He comforts us to make us comforters for one another. God can use your hurt to equip you to help others with their hurting. Now the comfort of God is always the calling of God to minister and comfort to someone else. Folks, there's, and I'm going to tell you as a pastor with, with a few years behind me now, I don't think there is there's a greater need in the church or a greater ministry in the church to one another than to have these these helpers who will come in and work with the herders. To have these people who will minister to those who are miserable. And let me tell you something. The best people to do that are those who have hurt themselves, those who have been miserable themselves, those who have experienced those griefs, those tragedies, that pain. You see, God's comfort is never intended to stop with the person that God comforts. God always gives a surplus of comfort. And you know why God does that? He wants that surplus to overflow from us to one another, to somebody else that hurts. Now, is that not what a family is to do to begin with? To love one another, to comfort one another, to uplift and encourage one another? But you can't really minister to the hurting until you understand their hurt. And really, let's be honest, you can't understand the hurt until you've hurt like they have. I use a story to illustrate this point. There was a, a young mother had two, uh, two little kids. Had a son that was four years old and a daughter was about two years old. One night after supper, she heard the awfulest screaming coming out of the room where the kids were. She ran in there and her four-year-old boy pointed to his little sister and said, Mom, she bit me and it hurts. She's, and Mom said to the little boy, Honey, it's okay. She doesn't understand. She's a baby. She doesn't understand that when she bites, it hurts. Okay, mom went back downstairs. About three minutes later, she heard some more screaming come out of that room. She ran back upstairs. This time, it was the two-year-old that was screaming. She said, look, the four-year-old boy said, what happened? He said, well, mom, you said she didn't understand it hurt when she, when she bit me. He said, now she understands that it hurts. Listen to me, folks. Those who have been hurt can best understand and minister to those who are hurting. I mean, think about this. That's, that's why Jesus can minister to all of us in all of our hurts, because he came into this world and experienced heartache and pain just like we do. Do you realize we don't have a God who is far off and sitting somewhere on a distant throne who does not, is not active in our lives? We don't have a God that does not understand our needs, our hurts, and our pains. We have a God who walked the earth along with us and experienced everything that we experienced. He knows what we're going through. Whenever sickness, sorrow, suffering, hurt, heartache. Knocks on your door. Listen to me friend. Do not become a sister in the self pity. Instead become a channel of blessing. A wise man once said and I quote. You cannot cure your sorrow by nursing it. But you can cure it by nursing another sorrow. Now I'm going to be honest right here. I don't mean to offend anybody. But, but I want you to listen to me. So many people, when, when life interrupts and they have these times of problems, what they'll do is retreat into a shell. They'll turn in on themselves. They'll shut themselves off from other people. They'll lock the door. They'll, they'll pull the shades. They'll curl up in a ball simply focus on themselves. Now, listen to me. Do you realize when that happens, the suffering that a person is going through becomes absolutely purposeless and meaningless? When you focused on yourself, do you know what you do? You you just simply magnify your misery. And it consumes you and it overwhelms you. God wants, what he wants to do is take your hurt. And he wants to channel that pain in a positive direction so you can minister to others who hurt. God wants to take your tears, your disappointments, your heartaches and tragedies and your hurts and mix them into a balm of blessing that can be laid on the wounds and on the hurts of somebody else. You know, I got to tell you, I I never knew. Years ago when uh, Marcia and I lost our second child, uh, I mean, it was it was tragedy. It almost crushed us. But over the years, I look back on it. You know how many people we have helped? in that situation that we have prayed with, that we have loved on. So we understand we've been there. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're going through. You know, I'll never forget. I'd been here about a year. And I uh, was at a funeral. I don't I don't believe, and I can't remember if I preached a funeral or not. Do you believe that? Uh, but I remember two members of our, no, I did not preach a funeral, but it was somebody's loved one that we went to, a member of the church. And one member of the church said to this other member of the church who had lost a loved one, put his arm around her and said, Listen, we'll be praying for you. I want you to know I understand what you're going through. Let me tell you something. That is exactly what Paul is talking about in this passage. One Christian brother or sister to another one, showing the love of God to another one, saying, I know what you're going through because I've been there. I've faced the same thing you have. Once again, is that not what the church family is to do with one another. Now, I'm going to say something before I, before I go on, before I finish up here. You say, wow, preacher, this is short. Well, I may go ahead and preach Revelation 2 then tonight also. Uh, let me say something here. There, there's, a, there's a point I want to make, folks, talking about comforting one another. There is a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Hurting people don't just need sympathy, they need empathy. See what's the difference? Well, sympathy is when you feel sorry for someone. Empathy is when you feel sorrow with someone. There's a big difference. I'll close with a story, and I love to use this story. I don't know if I have here or not before, but I remember this a long time ago when I was a kid hearing this story. There was a farmer who had some puppies for sale. And this farmer went out one morning, he was nailing up an advertisement poster sign on the corner post of his property. Uh, puppies for sale. And as he was nailing that sign up, he felt the tug on the leg of his overalls. He looked down, there's a little boy standing there with a big grin on his face and something clenched in his hand. The old farmer said, well, good morning, son. What can I do for you? The little boy said, mister, is you selling puppies? The old farmer said, yes, sir, I am. The little boy said, I want to buy one of your puppies. The farmer said, well, son, these puppies are special. They're pretty expensive. He said, they have a pretty uh, uh, good bloodline they're they're, they're high dollar hunting dogs the boy's face fell and he said well mister I, I got 50 cents he said will that be enough for me to just look at them the old farmer with a smile said why sonny don't cost nothing to look come on and he took him around back to where the pen was and there was four little hound pups rolling around playing in that pen and when that little boy saw him, I mean, his eyes lit up and his face was aglow. And, oh, he was just enraptured looking at those puppies. And about that time, there was a, a fifth puppy that come walking out of the doghouse. Actually, he didn't walk out of the doghouse. He limped out of the doghouse. He was smaller than the other four, than his brothers and sisters. And he was, there was no doubt he was a run of the litter. And he come gimping out of that doghouse and kind of half gimped and Half tried to run over to his brothers and sisters. Well, when that little boy saw that little runt puppy, oh, his face just exploded. He said, Mister, that's the one I want. I'm gonna go talk to mom and dad and tell them I want them to buy that puppy for me. The farmer said now, son, you don't want that pup. He said, That pup's crippled. He's a gimp. He said, His leg's crooked, it ain't never gonna be straight. He'll never be able to run. He'll never be able to play. He'll never be able to jump or to hunt like you want him to. When the farmer said that, that little boy reached down and he pulled his pants leg up. And on both sides of his leg was a steel brace that led down to a special made shoe. That little boy said, Mr., I don't run, jump, and play too well either. But with a big smile, he said, but that's okay. That pup's going to need somebody that understands him. Folks, I want you to listen to me. Maybe you're here tonight and you're hurting. You have experienced one of life's interruptions as of late. When in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God not only comforts you, but more than that, I'm going to pray that the God of all comfort, He comforts you and it overflows in your heart and life. So you in turn will seek somebody else out who's hurting and you'll comfort them. Because I'll say it again after all, in that what a church family is supposed to do. So I want you to remember something. When life interrupts, you remember that you need to see God's care in your hurt. In other words, be mindful of God's closeness to you as His child. The second thing, you need to seek God's comfort for your hurt. There's only one place to get true comfort, that's from God. Not anyone in this world. Not anything or any place in this world, but God. And then number three, share God's love with others. Be a minister to those are in pain to those who are in misery. Would you bow your heads, please? Like I said, in just a minute, we'll have an invitation time. Maybe you just need to come and bear your heart before God. Just come and pray. That's what altars are for in the church. Maybe you need to come and rededicate your life, or, or maybe, friend, you, you've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. Well, I'm going to tell you, true comfort begins at the cross with Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Whatever decision you need to make, this is your time and your opportunity to make that decision. Father, I thank You for Your Word, for the instruction it gives, for the power that it has, for the encouragement that it that it that uh, God plants within our hearts. Now, Father, I pray for those who are in our church family who are here tonight and for those who are not here tonight, but those who who have experienced this, that life has interrupted, that, Father, life has dealt a hard blow to them. I pray that you would give them the comfort that only you can, that they would have your comfort, your peace that surpasses all understanding. And, Father, I pray that more than having your comfort, they would allow that comfort that grace and that love to overflow in their heart and their lives. And in turn, they would seek someone else out to share your grace, love, and comfort with. Father, I pray as a church family, we'd understand the necessity for that. That we would understand that we are to love one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to intercede for one another. And Father, we are to comfort one another just like you comfort us. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand, please?